1: show, I would like to welcome Elisa Vio, an organizational psychologist and leadership coach. She shares her journey of working with tech giants like Uber and Tesla to becoming an entrepreneur, specializing in working with outlying tech founders and leadership teams in Europe and the USA. Elisa's multicultural background, born in the Ukraine and raised in France, adds depth to her perspective. We have so much to delve into today so let's get right into it and welcome alisa
2: hello summer hello everybody thank you for having me
1: it is a pleasure so before we get into your professional journey can you describe your life in one word to this point and why is that word of significance for you um (laughs) an oyster an oyster oh my Tell me more. (laughs) It's a story.
2: So I have stolen this from a famous theologian and psychologist, uh, a Brazilian person called Rubem Alves. He wrote a story called Happy Oysters Don't Make Pearls. He basically explains um, a concept that uh, a pearl, it's a wound which healed. So without a little piece of sand, irritating the oyster and actually making it traumatized the pearl cannot be born
1: wow okay so the pearl so tell us a little bit about maybe that piece of sand that created the pearl that you are today
2: yeah okay to start with i was born in a country which does not exist anymore that's for starters, USSR. Um, now there are many, many countries out of this. So I consider myself closer to Ukraine. Um, my parents um, highly educated Soviet engineers. They fall into um, a very strange religion, Jehovah Witnesses. And I unfortunately grew up from seven to 17 in this religion. And on top of this, I also experienced some sort of uh, physical abuse emotional, and spiritual. So I broke free from the religion and from my parents at the age of 17, moved countries, changed my name, got married, accomplished my master's degree in psychology. And um, yeah, um, that was a massive piece of sand.
1: Oh, my goodness. There were multiple pieces of sand there that developed you into who you are today, you just gave us in a very, very abbreviated version of your story. Can you delve into some of the factors or experiences that really kind of formed who you are today, your beliefs, your values?
2: I better remember my childhood. And uh, now with a um, degree of a psychologist, I can just look back and understand that when the child is hurting, this dissociation as a process kind of taking place because otherwise there is no way to process the harm and, and pain. When I was 14, I attempted um, a suicide once, <laughs> uh, failed. Luckily, I'm so happy. So I kind of knew what is suffering and what is unhappiness look like, feels like. And when I was 17, I, I wanted to learn how to make sure that I selfishly, Um, will not experience this anymore, and how can I help others? So I was desperate to learn, how can I make sure that there must be other people like me? How can I help them? And uh, I decided to study psychology, although honestly, Summer, instead of going to a faculty of psychology, I should have just probably went to a good psychotherapy, which I did in the middle of the first year. (laughs) And many, many people, many classmates actually find themselves in a similar position because often instead of getting help, we decided to become the one who will give help.
1: And I laugh because I feel like we are drawn to certain things because of an interest, because maybe we need our own healing, because of many different reasons. And for those of us who, And some of us, actually, who are in the field of human services, psychology, social welfare, we've experienced some of this stuff, right? And so we're going through our own healing process. And I can tell you when I went through my master's degree in human services and even psychology, but more so, I would say human services. And we started studying the theories and the people that created these theories you know these doctors these psychiatrists and psychologists who created these theories such as freud and such as alfred adler and such as you know on and on and on they had their own stories they had their own hurts and yeah. i'm sure they were trying to figure things out too as they were trying to figure out these theories and yeah. as adler said he learned and his theory was we as humans come to a point or feeling of discouragement And then we start to grow when we can realize what that's all about, when we can recognize that discouragement and get out of our subjective way and look at it from more of an objective perspective. And I think that when we go through these programs or we go through our own therapy, we start looking at it from that objectivity more so than being in it and having to survive versus thrive, right? And so you did that. I did some of that, you know, and it just makes sense, you know, because as we want to help people, we also have to become healthy, both mentally and physically to be able Mm -hmm. to do that. We have to experience what it's like on the other side of the table. We have to experience how do we help someone to thrive and not just survive, but understand their experience, right? And that's where the phenomenology comes in. How do we gain that story, that experience from them and let that person tell their experience from their perspective so we can take it in. So thank you so much for sharing your experience. And I get where you say that some of that was disassociation so you could survive. So let me ask you now, Melissa, how are you thriving today? What are some of the experiences? And I know you've had many, you've worked for some of the most incredible tech giants, Uber and Tesla. How did you get through that? And how did you make the decision to become an entrepreneur?
2: Hmm. Yeah, Um, when I graduated, I realized that at 23 years old, becoming a psychologist, it's like, not possible. It's a joke, right? So I started to think, what is which discipline will be the closest to psychology. And um, somehow human resources was my first choice. So I started to work in a recruitment agency. Then I said, hmm, I want to work with the best. So I went and by that time I moved to Paris and I started to work for two out of, uh, it's called big five executive search. So Corn Ferry and Spencer Stewart really learned with, with the best. So it's the the, the giants. And then um, continue from one company to another, I've seen um, good processes, not so good processes. I've seen tremendous scaling of Uber in Europe, 2015, the company globally just started uh, growing and we were 4,000 people, we um, ended up being 11,000 people in less than 18 months. And I was in a far front uh, in, in Europe, Middle East and Africa countries. I remember hiring people in Kenya, moving somebody from Johannesburg to Amsterdam, from Amsterdam to Minsk or, or, or Moscow. Um, it was quite the ride. I built my old team at Tesla. And uh, I often felt like a disconnect because, let's be honest, psychology, science and human resources are very different disciplines. Although I study, I have double degree, um, human resource management and organizational psychology, I rarely saw uh, opportunity to use my skills in organizational settings.
0: Mm.
2: So fast forward 15 years, 2019, December, you know, sometimes we're like waiting for the sign for a calling or something. I was on a flight, yoga retreat, uh, I worked so much, like usually sixty hours a week. I was devoted, dedicated. That's part of also being dissociated, right? I don't feel any pain, like Sia sings in her song. I'm unstoppable. I'm a Porsche with no break. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I win every single game. By the way, if you listen to the words, it's so <laughs> revealing. Uh, now I see how all the processes of what people put in place, not to feel, not to experience, not to be alive. It's all in this song. Um, Oh my
1: gosh. Can I jump in here for a second? Because I think that is just such an incredible observation. One, about what you were going through. And two, about the song, right? And I think that people do run so fast because then you don't have to confront your feelings, the situation, what you're trying to separate yourself from. So when you stop and you actually can be in the present, in the moment, in yourself, being really conscious about who you are, you're going to have to look at yourself and go, aha, I got some work to do. There's some things I need to kind of discover about myself. Where do I want to be in this whole scheme of life, right? And so you were running, you were on that plane, and you were coming from a yoga retreat.
2: I was I did not stop.
1: I had to, you know.
2: It's so the flight. I was going to yoga retreat, and the flight experienced serious turbulence. Which, I mean, I'm a frequent traveler. I, I never experienced something similar when the service was stopped, and um, the staff started to literally like brace for the impact, and they say, "People, just pray, whatever you do." And I remember it was so anecdotic. The woman sitting next to me started to smoke, and nobody cared. Nobody said a word, and she looked at me and say, "At least." I do what I want before I die. And it lasted like a good hour, very, very strong turbulence. And we were flying to to uh, Canary Island. So right in the middle of the ocean. And I remember I, I cried, I, I prayed, I don't believe in God, but somehow like maybe Jehovah will listen to me. Maybe all oh, my, my parents probably were right. Anyway, I drafted a couple of goodbye messages and I felt it's so unfair to die now because... Somewhere I remember the thought I had, I didn't even leave. I even didn't pursue my dream. We landed. It was an emergency landing on another island. I was shocked and I didn't know what to do. There were other people coming with me to the yoga retreat, but we we haven't met before. But obviously it was the strongest bond ever because when we started to share this experience, it took me three months before I processed this and decided to take a decision. So I quit my job at Tesla. Without anything, uh, I didn't find anything else I wanted to try, and the worst—it's the timing. It was March
1: twenty twenty, <laughs> right before right as COVID was starting,
2: right? And who would have thought that how how difficult it would be? I got scared two months after I took one year contract, which I believe was a good decision of a stepping stone in between my own uh, LLC. I just took one year contract where I had to consult and help an organization to be publicly listed, which was fun, interesting, but at least I had this um, security and uh, this cushion just in case. So, yeah.
1: Well, thank you for sharing that. I'm so glad you're here with us today and you made it through. You know, isn't it parallel, the turbulence that you went through on that plane and the turbulence, some of the turbulence that you went through through your life? And yet, here you are, here you are. And from that, you've curated something for yourself that I hope you really enjoy, that you're really loving. So tell us about what you do today.
2: Before I tell you, I just want to say that the turbulence, exactly as you said, and crisis and and difficult times are not always bad. They might be a beginning of something new, more important and, and beautiful. And it can be a a huge wake-up moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I agree. That was obviously something that shook you, right? And it literally and physically shook you. And you had to do some reflection at that point. Then you were at that yoga retreat where I'm sure you did a lot more reflection. And you came out of that and you started curating a different type of path for yourself. So tell us about that path and where you are today.
2: So I always took inspiration from a famous professor of psychology and psychotherapist Irvin Yalom, who is, I believe, still uh, teaches at Stanford. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I said, I'd like to be a psychotherapist, but it's four years postgrad, and <laughs> and um i decided also to get um coaching certification i know now it's a it's a word everybody is saying i'm a coach but i wanted to do it for real and seriously so i went to washington dc american university which was one of the the best and highly recommended programs for leadership coaching for organizational performance studied for an entire year met amazing people and acquired um, extra tools into my toolbox and get certified with um, ICF, uh, first ACC, now PCC. And um, yeah, working with clients, mainly founders of tech organizations, somehow because of my experience with early days Uber and Tesla, I have this credibility of scaling up and building, also working with their teams. Individuals also come into me and uh, now I'm also offering mediation services and um, relationship therapy. It's very new. I just got certified and I'm following Gottman Institute um, path and, and training. And just to illustrate what I really do, I have this anecdote I wanted to share with you. I often get called by a founder who comes to me and say, can you do something with these idiots? First shock, like, who are idiots? Whom are you referring to? Well, my leadership team or all these people in my organization. And I often ask, who hired them? Like, how, how is it possible that you're surrounded by them? Like, well, HR did. Like, and who hired HR? Like, well, she was here from the beginning. Okay. So I guess we will start working with you first and help you to realize who's responsible for hiring and how you can be, how can you level up your leadership skills? And then let's look at the idiots. Often, we don't talk about idiots at all after a couple of sessions. And uh, when the time comes, would we'll I really celebrate when, when the leader is actually acknowledging his contribution his or her contribution into the dynamic in the organization. And without this, it's not possible to do any changes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love that you started practicing mediation and that is something that in 19, I think it was 1994, I got certified as a mediator, which was interesting. And I did some of that for the city that I was living in, in California. It is such a unique skill set. So when somebody calls you up and says, help me with these idiots. I love that you start with accountability. You could be accountable for some of this, right? Let's start there. And then going into who's modeling the behavior, the leadership behavior, person who needs to take accountability, (laughs) you know, and I love the evolution of this because that is exactly what we're asking people to do is stop, stop and look at how this was created and what kind of model do you want to be as a leader so then where do you go with this
2: yeah so you're probably familiar with this famous theory of external causal attribution mm. and we're all human beings sometimes attributing the cause externally this is happening to me right because of the organization because of the weather because of the stars align or whatever i believe that first the process of healing or any behavioral change starts with acknowledging the responsibility and in relationship I often explain that it's a space in between Mm -hmm. there is something happening between two sides and there is always contribution from both there's never one person who is right and another one is wrong and when I'm called into can you tell how how he or she is wrong this is the funny moment to actually explain that the mediations does not work like this, right? We're talking about the feelings and needs and trying to understand the conflicting strategies here. So there's a lot of things I do, but mostly what I really enjoy is to work with leadership teams. Why? Because that the, the impact, my PPI, passion, purpose, purpose and impact. impact. Yes, right.
1: yes, my PPI. I love that. Yes
2: is to see this um, when the pebble is thrown in the water Mm -hmm. and the rounds are going further. Yes, yes. 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 For me, it's mostly attainable in a team setting. When the group of people coming in, they they kind of call themselves a team, but they're not really because they're not accountable because they don't know how to fight productively because they have no this belonging and sense of security and safety. So I usually ask, give me three times two hours and we will see what we can do together to actually be closer to have relationship of of safety and therefore the famous lynchioni quote in five dysfunction of a team you probably remember who's responsible for sales and everybody pointing out to a sales guy no wrong everyone responsible for sales right as a team yes. so that my kind of milestone when i ask who's responsible for the revenue generating generation it's like, Everyone's like, "Yeah, who's responsible for marketing?" Everyone's like, "Here we go. Okay, we're going towards the right direction." So I usually do team sessions and team team workshops with different type of exercises. Sometimes we play in Lego. Sometimes it's just ten minutes. But then inside, people collecting for two hours. Like, "Oh my god, this is how we really do. We are operating this way." Didn't say anything. You guys told me everything. So yeah, that's probably my sweet spot and, and my forte working with teams now.
1: Oh, I love hearing that because we need so much more of that and and people need that support and that guidance. A lot of people don't know what you know in regards to that systems approach, right? What does that system look like? How is that system functioning together or is in a situation of dysfunction. And it's nice to be able to, as a coach, be able to look at that from the outside and go, "Uh, I see, but I'm going to need to work with each and every one of these people and find out their skill sets and how they work together and that accountability for each and every one of those people in that system. So absolutely love what you're doing and how you've curated your journey and the stories that you've shared with us today. We've covered so much, and as we come to the close of the interview, if you were to leave the listeners with a tip to support their journey, what would that be?
2: For the coaches who are listening to us, I would suggest to always give more in value than taking payment. This is one of the principles i always been living by and bringing value first and giving always more than I have been paid for or will be paid for. And for people who kind of on the verge and would love to transition to the entrepreneurial journey and um, becoming coaches and psychologists, I would just say, make a, a first small step and try and then see where the journey will bring you. There's enough work for everybody. There's abundance of clients. Find your niche just try just do it and don't wait until the flight you will be in will start shaking
1: exactly exactly well i want to thank you elisa for joining me on the core women podcast today
2: thank you so much for having me thank you summer
1: it was a pleasure you can follow elisa vio on linkedin
0: Thank you for joining us on the CORE Women podcast with Dr. Summer Watson. We're so glad you're here and would love to connect more with you. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at CORE Women and on Twitter at CORE Women 1. For more about CORE Women and Dr. Watson, visit COREwomen.com. Want more support and resources for amazing women like you? Great! Join Dr. Watson and Jen Fontanilla at the Life, Love & Money Collective, a core women production that aids in understanding the key traits that might be getting in the way of living a life that you are absolutely passionate about. Connect with Summer and Jen and find out more at thelifeloveandmoney.com.